0: The Way BK podcast is dedicated to pursuing and promoting a true understanding of Jesus Christ and the transformation he provides for all who submit to him to live in a way that is pleasing to God as revealed in the Bible. Let's join our hosts as they discuss the way. Yeah, and I think that point you just made about fruit as it relates to doctrine, uh, verse 5, 1 Timothy 1, 5 here, I think it's, To me, it's such an important passage I try to remember a lot, both in what I'm taking in and whatever I'm putting out in terms of when I'm talking about the faith and when I'm talking about scripture. This is a great uh, test scripture to see. Okay, the stuff that I'm listening to, is this promoting what verse five says? The the goal, I like, I mean, it's almost every translation has a little different phrasing. The one I'm reading says the aim of our charge. I know one is the goal of our instruction. I kind of like that one just because it's a really easy way to think about, hey, all gospel instruction, Paul's saying the stuff that I'm teaching and Timothy, the stuff I'm encouraging you to teach people there in Ephesus. The goal that we have in our instruction is not speculations. It's not to be smarter. It's not all the things that a lot of times we, not, it's not even to like, I mean, to your point a minute ago, um, I feel like we're kind of hypocrites on this because obviously we're having this discussion on social media, but in general, if you're finding some video on social media that's telling you like, oh, this Bible verse means this thing, and that's going to be about the end of the world, it may be. I, I bet at some point somebody's going to get lucky and they're going to say it, but people have been saying that for decades. Well, not on social media, but in the world. Just yeah. don't listen to that kind of speculate. It's not helpful. Like, what is it going to help? If Jesus is coming back this weekend or 50 years from now, what's different? I should be living a holy life. I should be, you know, working hard, be honest, preaching the gospel, loving my neighbors, myself, like, doesn't change anything. It just promotes speculations and conspiracies that relate to geopolitical events and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, verse five is the key to me when I think about what is this teaching leading toward? And I just think it's such an important, important verse here in, uh, in this first chapter in First Timothy.
1: Yeah. Amen to that. Amen to that. I mean, it's really, at, it's in the heart of the conversation here that he says that the goal of our instruction is the aim of our charge is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. I mean, that kind of hits right at what, what is the fruit that we're aiming for? What is like the goal of everything we're doing as Christians and everything we're teaching and all of the, the investment that we put in studying the word of God and all the time that we dig in to read God's scriptures? You know, it's possible. It's possible. And I think it's possible because I've done this before. Um, it's possible to really dig into the word of God and really be a diligent student of, of the word of God but actually uh, in the end of your studies and all the things you're learning to actually not find any fruit that comes out of it. Um, yeah. I think there's actually, you know, um, there's a word that's used, uh, that's thrown around a lot, uh, Gnosticism, that was talked about in, in, in older times. and It comes back, people talk about it today. But the idea behind Gnosticism, as I understand it, like at a, at a basic level, was the idea of like seeking some sort of hidden knowledge that would then make you like have a closer, more spiritual relationship with God. And I think that's something to guard against. Like we need, our our focus is not on receipt our goal in our studies is not to get some hidden knowledge that that nobody else has. Our goal is to simply understand the will of God so that we can love God. And so that we can love God's people with all of our heart Um, and everything we do should lead us toward that end i need to ask about everything that i'm learning and everything that i'm teaching and everything that i'm trying to live out from the word of god i need to ask is it leading me towards love is it leading me to love god more deeply is it leading me to love my brothers and sisters more sincerely is it leading me to love my neighbors as myself um if it's not then i need to take a careful look and 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 ask myself is this really from god or not um, am I really understanding the scriptures rightly or am I missing the mark here? And, and unfortunately, there's way, way, way too much uh study of the scripture today, um, that totally misses the mark on that. Uh, and 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 as we po- talked about, Lee actually doesn't produce love, it produces all sorts of other things that are contrary to God's will and what God desires, uh, in his people and his household.
0: Yeah, which I think is interesting in the context because verses three and four is like, Hey, get the doctrine right. And verse five, the reason for that is, is hey, because we have a really important goal we're pursuing. Right. Um, so whenever we get the doctrine messed up, then love is going to evaporate. And whenever we see love evaporate, either in our own hearts and lives or in people around us, I think what Paul's saying to Timothy is, hey, I left you there to preserve love, and the way that you're going to preserve love is by protecting the doctrine. Um, David actually mentioned uh, in Acts 20 how um, in verse 30 that Paul talking to the people at Ephesus, the elders there even, and he said in Acts chapter 20, verse 30, there are some from among you that will rise up and lead people astray. And he says in verse 30, speaking twisted things to draw disciples out of them. Well, the interesting thing is you're like, okay, Paul. And then he's like, hey, watch out, blah, blah, blah. But then you come down to the punchline for Paul in verse 35 of Acts 20, and he says, in all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must – help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, you better make sure to get all the doctrine right. That's not what it says. Now that is just what Paul was warning about. And that's what he's concerned about. But that the words from Jesus, he reminded them of is more blessed to give than to receive. Verse 35. If you wanted to kind of parallel this Acts chapter 20, which Paul is speaking to the people that Timothy is ministering among Acts 20 and verse 30 is equivalent to first Timothy one, three and four. Watch out. You guys, I know even some of y'all are going to start teaching false doctrines, twisted things, speculations, pointless stuff. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, where Paul says, hey, here's why it matters. You need to help the weak and you need to give rather than receive. That's parallel to chapter one and verse five. So this connectivity and the integration of you've got to get all the doctrines right. And frankly, doctrines that don't seem very loving. Over the next few weeks, as we read First Timothy, I, I think First Timothy has some of the most challenging, hard, and... Um, mm unlovely to our eyes and to our feelings passages in the new testament i mean there's others that are similar but it, it's really packed in with some hard stuff um and yet what paul says in the beginning is it's not though it actually is the way of love and so you got to get the doctrine right in order to get the the love right and don't just get the doctrine right and forget to your point don't forget the point of it don't forget the goal don't forget the aim
1: yeah yeah, that's really good. So when Paul talks here about the goal of our instruction is love, he adds, though, uh, these three phrases, love out of a pure heart, uh, a good conscience, and a sin sincere faith. Um, so so um, Ben, when you look at those phrases, why do you think he, uh, Paul uses those phrases or, or what is it about those phrases that teaches us Uh, or or helps us to understand what it is that God really wants from us uh, in loving him and loving others.
0: Yeah. There's probably a better illustration for this, but um, the way I think about it is that the the pure heart, good conscience, and sincere faith, these are the channels that love can flow through. Yeah, good. And if your love is really going to flow, you've got to have these channels properly built and constructed and cleaned out and all that stuff. So I mean, I guess I'm thinking about like the, a water analogy, like love should be like water for the Christian. It just comes out of us no matter who we're with, what's going on. It's just, it's just flowing out of us. That's the spirit of God flowing through us is, is his love and, uh, or manifest in his love. But in order for that to happen, you've got to have these three channels or these three containers that can hold your love, that it can flow out. And so the understanding the true doctrine purifies my heart. It, shapes and guides and clears my conscience. Um, It it gives me something to believe in and it makes my faith genuine and real. So I guess to me, that's the way to think about it is the doctrine fixes up these three channels or these three compartments through which love can really flow and manifest. And I think all three of them are really interesting and worth talking about, but that's as a unit. I think that's what he's saying is like, you're never going to love if you don't have a pure heart, a good conscience and a sincere faith. And in order to have a good pure heart, good conscience and sincere faith, you need to understand the truths of the gospel accurately.
1: Yeah, I like that. In fact, you might think of uh, each of these, if it's lacking, is kind of like uh, a stopper or something that, yeah. that keeps God's, love, God's true love from flowing through. Um, if my heart is impure. And I think about that um, when I think about purity here, um, I think about uh, like what Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. I think the idea behind that is not just uh, what we might typically think about in terms of like uh, moral purity or sexual purity. I mean, that would certainly be a part of it. Um, but it's, it, if you think about it, a pure heart, um, the idea is something that's clean, that's not defiled. Um, and, and I think sometimes this idea is used uh, to, to, to indicate that my focus is completely on pleasing God, that, that I'm not, James has this phrase that he uses sometimes talking about a double-minded man um, that is kind of torn between two worlds. Uh, when you think about this, what what, what we need in order for, for, for our work and our, our instruction and, and our um, actions as Christians to produce love, we need a heart that is singularly focused on Christ Jesus, that is focused entirely on pleasing God, that doesn't have multiple interests that we're kind of caught between, right. um, but really completely tied up uh, on, on pleasing him. I don't know if that makes sense to you. If you had anything else to add on that?
0: I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. I mean, to me, the easiest illustration of the pure heart is like pure water. If I'm like, hey, here's a cup of water and you're like, oh, thank you so much. I'm like, oh yeah, by the way, like I peed in it just a little bit. Just a little bit though. You'd be like, oh, okay, well, this isn't water. Like this is something else now, you know? And I think that's the idea is like our hearts should be devoted to God. That doesn't mean we never mess up or we never, you know, but, but at the end of the day, like my, my devotion is purely to God. It's not God and a little bit of this idol or God and a little bit of this other thing. At the end of the day, my bottom line is I want to please God. And I think that relates to the, the conscious thing too, being that like your, your mind is trained and, um, and, and guided completely by God. You, you're not listening to the myths and uh, speculations of people of the world. You know, that's not, that's not really, that's not your bottom line. That's not how you're determining your thoughts. That's not how you're filtering out your choices and your uh, perspectives and all that really the only thing that's guiding you is what God thinks. And that's, I mean, that word conscience, just, I mean, it's, we always think about like Jiminy Cricket, like what's telling you right and wrong. And it is that, but it's more just that the whole way you perceive things, the way you think, the way you live, what kind of knowledge base you're, you're being guided from. And Paul's saying, it needs to be from the gospel of God, not from anything else.
1: Yeah. In, in essence, um, it's only through knowing the doctrine and instruction of Christ that we that our conscience will be trained to know what is good, good and evil, and then to, and then to live it out and practice it. Um, but I think his point is, yeah, ultimately, if I want to love people, um, then my conscience has to be trained by the word of God it has to be good and, and right and know that the, the life that I'm living is, uh, is focused on, on pleasing to him. Uh, so I do think there's a lot of correlation there. And even with the third one, you think about this third idea of a sincere faith. As I understand it, I think this is the word. Um, yeah, uh, this is the word for uh, hypocrite. It's an unhypocritical faith is what he's calling for here. Um, if you think about a hypocrite, I mean, when we think about a hypocrite, we think of somebody who's fake. Somebody who, who appear. I think the, the word originally came from Uh, the the Greek theater where they would wear masks to uh, play different parts and if you think about that you know um, in order for me to love God in order for me to love others in order for everything that I do to let God's love like flow through me um, my faith has to be sincere where it's not just something I'm professing with my lips but it's something I'm living out with my life in fact one of the one of the biggest uh, one of the greatest harms done to the body of Christ and to the name of Christ is, uh, is when when the world can see us preaching one thing, teaching one thing, but they look at our life and say, hey, he doesn't really believe this because look at how he's living. Look at how he's acting. Um, and so really, if I'm truly going to love people, then I got to be given the same attention to my practice as I give to what I preach. You know, the, the preaching is only valuable, preaching the truth is only valuable, at least as it depends on me, if, my, if I'm actually practicing the things that I am preaching. If I'm not, if I'm not consistent in the way that I live, um, if, my, if my lifestyle is not consistent with the message that I preach, I can end up doing more harm than good. Um, and it's certainly not going to be love that, that I'm producing through the work that I, I try to accomplish. That's 100% right.
0: And I, I think one other thing to note about and there's, um these are great, like, just meditation points. You know, what does it yeah. mean to have a pure heart? Do I have a pure heart? Praying about that, these are great, like, prayer points for all of us, I think. But with each one of these, he doesn't just say, love comes from a heart, your heart, your conscience, your faith. With every one of them, he gives a clarifying, a pure heart, a good conscience, a sincere, unhypocritical faith. Yeah. In other words, he, he's calling us to test ourselves and to challenge ourselves because someone can say like, well, my conscience is, doesn't bother me. Well, that may be your problem, dude. Like, you may need a new conscience. So like, don't, don't say that like it's some sort of justification that you're fine. Or, well, my heart just tells me, well, your heart may be stupid. You may need to purify your heart. So th- don't use that. He's saying we need to be trained to think rightly because, I mean, really both before this and immediately after he says... Some people have departed from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith, and they're wrecking their lives and other people's lives. And yeah. so we need to have proper understanding so that these uh, receptacles, these channels for love will be prepared for, so that God's love really can flow through us so that we'll love him properly and love our neighbors as ourselves, love each other, you know, love our enemies, et cetera. Um, otherwise, there's really devastating results, which is what he gets into in the next little section.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we skipped over a question here from uh, Antonio who said did did Paul ask Timothy to stay because he suspected him to give up and not continue to spread God's word um, I don't think so. I think Paul here um, much of what Paul's doing in this letter is he's just reminding Timothy of things he's already taught him to encourage Timothy to keep doing what he's been called by God to do um, and if you think about um if you think about a lot of times what we need the most is not to be told things that are new, but to simply be reminded of things that we've already been taught that are true. And, uh, and I, think, I think that's more the idea here. I don't, I don't get the picture of Timothy as having given up. I do get the picture of Timothy as in need of encouragement in these letters. And therefore, Paul is writing to encourage him to keep courageously spreading the word of God when he may be tempted at times because of the various things he's facing in the church and with outside of the church to, uh, to back down. Um, I don't know if you have another thought on that, Ben. Um,
0: I think that'd be an interesting question to ask whenever we get to second Timothy. I think what you just said, I would agree with in First Timothy, I don't don't get any real strong indications. And there's a lot of like maintenance, like, Hey, remember to do it this way. And don't forget, I told you about this. Um, I think that question might be a pretty interesting one to ask in second Timothy though Um, because it may be a little bit of a different answer, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, good, good, good. So maybe we'll come back to that good question, Antonio. Thanks for uh, bringing that up. Um, Ryan, also... Maybe
0: maybe just one other thing, sorry. Just on that, I I think anytime Paul talks to... At least I've come to believe part of the reason that anytime we read verses like verse 3, it's partly for Timothy, but I really do believe just because he talks so much about the church and so little about Timothy personally that part of that is to legitimize Timothy. Like Paul is writing this to say, hey, you know, he's saying, hey, Timothy, but really he's expecting other people to listen in or to read this letter. Right. And so that people who might have said to Timothy, you're just a kid. You don't know. You're not an apostle. Paul used to preach here. We know Paul better than even you, you know, whatever. Right. It's, he's, he's not just helping Timothy out. He's also legitimizing Timothy in the eyes of the people at Ephesus. At least I think that's right. Maybe that's speculation. So maybe everybody needs to ignore that, but I think
1: that's right. Now, I think there'll be some evidence to, to back that up here in the, in the letter as well. Um, Brian just mentioned too on this thought about why is it so important to keep love as the goal? He said, it's like Corinthians without love. We are like symbols just crashing or clinging. If we don't have love, I think the people will, will start preaching at people. Uh, we will start preaching at people and judging each other for all our sins. This would descend into backbiting hatred, major strife, and com- and complete uh, division. Um, and, uh, and and I, I like the reference to 1 Corinthians 13 here, because really, honestly, 1 Corinthians 13, he basically says, hey, you can do the greatest things in the world for God, but if you don't have love, it's not worth anything. Yeah. Um, it's a good reminder that at the heart of everything we do. Our goal is to love God. Our goal is to love people. And, uh, and, and man, what a great, like just a heart check, self-examination point for us. Um, with everything that I teach, with everything about how I live, with everything about how I act on a day-to-day basis, I need to ask myself like, Hey, what's my goal here? Is the, is, is the goal of what I'm doing? Is it love or is it something else? Um, is, is there some other, other goal here uh, in mind? Paul's going to go on to talk in these verses. He, he goes on to talk in these verses about um, other people that seem to have some other goals. Um, for example, verse 7, um, some of these guys that are producing fruitless discussions, it seems to me that's in part because uh, their goal is not to love God and love people. Their goal is to be a teacher. That's right. And and so therefore their aim is to show people how much they know. How much they uh, can, they, they want to talk confidently asserting things. To kind of prove themselves. And I want to tell you, if you're, if you're trying to be a servant or a minister or a, or a, and by the way, I mean, who doesn't call themselves a minister or a teacher or a pastor today? I mean, it's like, it's like they're, they're on every, every block. There's a, there's a hundred on every block. Everybody wants to be called a teacher. But, but the problem is that a lot of times people are wanting to be teachers rather than wanting to love. I think if you would ask Paul, why are you a teacher? He wouldn't say, well, I've always wanted to be a teacher. He'd say, no, I'm a teacher because I want to help people love God, just as God has taught me how to love him and how to love others for his sake. And so um, maybe just a good reminder for us too here: uh, we need to check our motives and check our desires in our heart. What is it that I'm really after? Because sometimes we can get way off track simply because um, our desires and, and our motivations are, are, are not what they ought to be. Um, my goal is not to be a teacher. My goal is to be a learner so that I can love and and then to share the things that I've learned to help others to be able to produce that same fruit of love in their life.
0: Yeah, yeah. I do think this one can be challenging for people sometimes if someone is like, hey, I want to learn the word of God so I can teach people. So is it bad to want to be a teacher? And I, I think another way of framing this up is what Paul's talking about here is there were people that wanted to be important. Yeah. They wanted to be important, right, and not be servants. And that, I mean, you know, we use that word minister later on. He's going to talk to Timothy about being a good servant of Christ okay. Jesus, and he's going to talk about how to be a, a good preacher, evangelist, teacher, whatever you want to call it. Well, it's good to be a servant, and if you happen to be able to serve by teaching and preaching, well, that's an amazing act of love, Amen. um, just like. I don't know, feeding someone is an amazing act of love and clothing. Someone is an amazing act of love. They're all, if they if it's an act of love and service, it's good. But whenever it's an act of, I want to be important, it's sinful. It's wrong because I'm trying to elevate myself. And so many times Jesus would attack that Paul hits. I mean, I love uh, Brian's reference to first Corinthians 13 that you were talking about too. Um, verse five is like a one verse summation of first Corinthians 13, like, or maybe flip that. First Corinthians 13 is a whole chapter's worth of what first Timothy one and verse five is about, but also the context, when you read first Corinthians 12 and 14, it was about this. It was about people who wanted to be important and they wanted to be important because they had different gifts and abilities and they thought they should be the ones talking the most in church or all this stuff. It's kind of a a parallel to verses six and seven is it's easy to fall in that trap where you just want to be important. And if you want to be important, it's not very fun or cool, or it doesn't make you important to just tell the truth about what God has said, just to be a messenger boy. You know, Um, it's more cool to come up with speculations about different things or whatever. It's easier to become important when you have neat things to say that people have never heard before. Paul says, these people who wanted to be important, they've swerved away from the truth, which of course, since they don't love, they're going away from the truth. And if people listen to them, then they also will lose the love of God, and then the whole thing's gone, and that's the mess here.
1: Yeah, I think that's really good. It almost it almost seems like Paul and kind of anticipated that to that, that response that you were you were mentioning to his statement in verse seven, because he kind of qualifies that in verse eight by saying, "Hey, I I don't I want you to get to the wrong idea. Like the law here is good. There's nothing wrong with the law in and of itself. And I think Paul would also add to that, hey, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be a teacher He's if your goal. To yeah, if your goal in being a teacher is to love, yeah. uh, you know, um, there there's nothing wrong with that inherently. The problem is when it's used uh, unlawfully, or you might say, well, the the problem with the law is when someone uses it unlawfully. And, and, and he goes on to point out that there's a lot there there's a lot of people who um, who end up, you know, straying from the law, and they're lawless, they're rebellious, and that's what that's ultimately. What the law was meant to uh, to reveal was to show us, hey, um, there, there is, there's all sorts of bad behavior out there um, that that people are going to be doing, and and ultimately, if I'm going to be pleasing to the Lord, I need to make I need to make sure that I'm using the law in a way that it, that is righteous and good. Um, it just reminds me that that ultimately. There are lots of different interpretations of Scripture, but not all interpretations are right. And I need to be careful. Peter will warn at the end of his second letter and say um, that there are people who are ignorant and unstable, who twist the Scriptures to their own destruction. I need to be careful about this. Number one, I need to be careful that I'm not ignorant. You see, one of the problems uh, with people wanting to be teachers of the law is that sometimes we want to be teachers of the law, but we haven't been learners long enough. That is, we want to teach, but we don't actually understand the things that we want to teach on. And we don't, we're confidently asserting things that we don't really know. Um, and, and, and he says, hey, you need to be careful here. Um, you know, and I think about also people that are, uh, sometimes we're unstable. Uh, when I think about unstable, I think, you know, I got this chair with uh, four legs here. And uh, it's pretty stable right now, um, even though it's a $6 chair from Ikea. But, uh, but if you were to put like a basketball on one of those legs, it's, not, it, it's no longer stable. I think about when it comes to uh, the Word of God, some people have one foot on the Word of God, but another foot on uh, what they saw on TV or on YouTube, um, one foot on the Word of God and one foot on what their grandmother taught them or what, their pa- what the pa- pastor so-and-so said. And, and because we don't have two feet on the word of God, it's easy to, to be drawn away. It's easy to, it's easy to get it twisted um, and end up doing things that in the end cause harm both to ourselves and to others as well. So we need to be careful here. The issue again is not a desire to be a teacher, but it's, it, it's, it's first a desire to be a learner, to make sure I understand the word of God. And then what are my motives in teaching it? Is my motive to help others to be useful and fruitful? And, and to produce love in their hearts? Um, or is it some other motive? Um, those are my thoughts on uh, verses 8 through 11. I don't know if you have other thoughts or other things to add there, Ben, to that text.
0: Um, I mean, backing it up, we already hit this one, but I do think this passage is so helpful for a self-check and for watching out for the kind of people that we're listening to. Um, verse 4, we already said it. Is it speculations or is it promoting actual administration of the faith? Uh, verse six the end of it empty discussions and we've all been there where everybody's talking it's kind of like why why are we talking about this right like why, why are we debating this point of whatever like and, and some things actually are not empty they're meaningful they have an impact but we do need to ask ourselves like what is this an empty vain discussion or is it actually leading somewhere for me to have a pure heart a good conscience and a sincere faith Um, that thing, this thing we've already said enough about desiring to be teachers. Am I talking because I want my voice to be heard? Is this person seem to be talking because they want their voice to be heard or do they want God's voice to be heard in talking about the scriptures? Uh, and also the end of verse seven, um, making confident assertions about something without clear understanding, you know, by the way, we should make confident assertions. When we know something's true, we should be, we should confidently assert that even if people disagree. But if I'm making confident assertions about things that I don't really understand, that's a bad sign. And if I'm listening to people that clearly are making assertions about things they can't defend or understand or, or uh, whatever, then that's a, that's a problem. And um, anyway, I just think those are some, this, this passage is so helpful in giving some of the earmarks of um, non-gospel teaching, non, non non-God commanded uh, teaching. Uh, There's some really helpful guidelines here for that
1: amen amen
0: what do you think do you have anything to say about the the thing about where it says uh the law is good if one uses it got lawfully understanding this that the law is not laid down for the just but for the lawless and disobedient then he lists off a bunch of the sins like what what do you think was going on with the usage of the law i I presume like the torah the old testament law um what, what do you see that's going on here that paul was concerned about that was happening
1: uh, man, I don't know. Uh, I wish I knew exactly what was going on here. Um,
0: Make some confident assertions based on your speculations.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, to me, the main point of the passage is, um, is that really the, the, the Jewish law was like a map that was meant to mark out danger. Um, and, it, and it was something that was meant to show as Paul will say, like in Romans seven, uh, that the law showed revealed my sinfulness if it hadn't been for the law I wouldn't have fully understand uh, understood just how how sinful I was and so as far as it goes um, and and as far as and and for telling people where they should not go in that sense the law was um, was was very useful but I think when you turn the law into an opportunity to just speculate on everything and by the way this happens um, still happens today uh people who use all who, who use scripture to just speculate on all kinds of crazy stuff who just try to figure out every all kinds of weird things about genealogies and stuff um you know that that kind of thing still happens all the time today um and it may end up it may end up being a completely fruitless or useless exercise in that i don't know if you have other thoughts on that maybe in more detail I,
0: i love the way you said that especially the map thing because a map takes you somewhere in verse 11 it is very clear Paul says, Hey, like, let's not forget where we're trying to get to. Right. Earlier. If you're like, Hey, where are we trying to get to? I guess there's like multiple answers you can see in this text. One is we're trying to get to the truth. That'd be verses three and four. Make sure you defend the true doctrine and not these strange or different doctrines. Another answer you could accurately say is we're trying to get to love that comes from. And so we want to have a pure heart, a good conscience, a sincere faith. And this is what's necessary. That's what that's, the map is trying to get us to that destination. Um, But as far as the the Torah, the old law, I think verses 10 and 11 would show that the the map leads us to the glories of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the map. And that's the thing that really informs us of what the truth is. That's the thing that is the basis for all of our love is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, I mean, and, and Paul would write this way in other places, like in 2 Corinthians 3, Galatians 3. I'm probably forgetting a lot of other important ones. Romans 7, you already mentioned, Romans 7 and 8, um, you could say. There's a number of places where Paul says, hey, like the law was really good and important for what it was, Mm -hmm. but what it's really supposed to lead you to is belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that belief should drive everything about your life. So, I mean, verse 11 seems like this is what people were missing out on, which is horrifying because that's what the family is built on. Remember our thesis statement from chapter 3 I'm writing so you'll know how to conduct yourselves in the household of God, which is the household. Blah, 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 blah. The very next verse, he tells the gospel story. This That's is the right. basis of everything about the family of God. So we've got to get the truth right. We've got to get love right, both of which are rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ.
1: You might say it this way, the gospel is where love and truth meet perfectly, yeah. perfectly live out. And so every, anything that is apart from that, anything that's contrary to that sound teaching, um, it needs to be left behind that we may press on to understand and to live out the glorious gospel of the blessed God. Um, the one that Paul is entrusted with, the one that the apostles and prophets were entrusted to give us. That is what life is really about. It's about understanding the gospel so that we may live out this this uh the beautiful life filled with truth and love. Um in, in our day-to-day walk. Amen. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's all I got today. You got anything else you want to add, Ben? Before we wrap I
0: think, again. I think that's it. I really think that's it. Um
1: yeah. I appreciate okay. all you guys joining us. Thank you so much for all the comments. Um, I know we didn't get to mention all of them, but we really appreciate you guys engaging with us in this study and, uh, and feel free to continue to engage with one another, engage with us as well. As always, if there's anything we, we teach that seems out of line with scripture, really we'd love for you to reach out to us and, and uh, admonish us. We're happy and, uh, and I think humble enough, hopefully to uh, accept rebuke when needed too. but uh, it's our goal. To, uh, to present only what is true and to stir up every brother and sister and every person listening to love uh, and to good work. So, so our aim here is to do, do only what is pleasing to the Lord and, and, and producing love and truth that accords with this gospel. So, uh, so help us toward that end in whatever way you can. Continue to pray uh, that God will guide us and lead us um, into love and truth um, that we may be pleasing to him.
0: The aim of The Way BK is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ across Brooklyn and beyond. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.thewaybk.com.